0: Leaning in is important as it relates to attacking, also because if you can attack a ball out of the air at somebody, it's two to three feet closer to the other person, so you're taking away their time, and you're also forcing them to hit shallower dinks. So if I play somebody who is not comfortable attacking out of the air and leaning in and aggressively trying to find that out of the air attack, then I feel really comfortable hitting aggressive deep dinks against that person. And if I'm able to hit aggressive deep dinks against somebody, it's way easier for me to control the kitchen life. All right. So we are back with episode I don't know of the James Ignatowich Show. And we have three questions and that's it. So we're just gonna maximum efficiency, just get the questions done and that's all we're gonna do today. So that's my favorite thing to do. Um, The first question is I see pros leaning in all of the time. When do I know when to lean in and when not to lean in? So, this is a question that is near and dear to my heart because I, in this past year, learned a lot about when to lean in and when not to lean in. In pro men's doubles, leaning in is everything as it relates to attacking because out of the air attacks are more prevalent and just better, I think, in pro men's doubles than off the bounce attacks. At other levels, Maybe not. I think that that general statement, I'm only going to really apply it to pro men's doubles because I don't want to say anything that is wrong. Okay, maybe it's right. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But for me, leaning in has been super important. And the first thing to know is you should be leaning in when you feel like you're on offense in a dinking rally. So if you are winning that dinking rally, if you feel like you're in charge, that's when you should be leaning in. So you can generally have a feel for that. You'll know when you're winning the dinking rally and when you're not. If your opponent's moving around and you're the one making them move, not really doing as much moving, if they're a foot off the line, two feet off the line, and they look like they're in trouble, that's how you know you're winning the dink rally. So for me, if I hit a good aggressive dink and I can see them take a step back, you know they're not gonna speed it up, or at least you're very as sure as you can be that they won't speed it up, that's when you lean in and get ready to attack it out of the air. And if you can't take that dink out of the air and attack it, then at least try to take it out of the air and then dink it back so as to take away their time and maintain control of the kitchen. So leaning in isn't just about attacking. Leaning in is also about taking dinks out of the air. And in men's doubles, that's even more important because everybody in men's doubles usually is crowding the line, hugging the kitchen line. I think in men's doubles, the kitchen line is very precious real estate in women's doubles, not so much. In women's doubles, a lot of us are a foot off the line, two feet off the line, and that's just the nature of the game. The dinking is different in women's doubles. The dinking is more linear and aggressive in women's doubles because women aren't as potent with out-of-the-air attacks. Generally, they're not as comfortable with it, mainly because they're just not as tall. They're just not reaching as far in, so it's not as usual, I guess, for them to be attacking out of the air. In men's doubles, out of the air attacks are way more effective than off the bounce attacks, at least in my personal opinion. And uh, there's probably stats to back that up. But in men's doubles, everyone's leaning in. So leaning in is important as it relates to attacking also, because if you can attack a ball out of the air at somebody, it's two to three feet closer to the other person. So you're taking away their time. And you're also forcing them to hit shallower dinks. So, if I play somebody who is not comfortable attacking out of the air and leaning in and aggressively trying to find that out of the air attack, then I feel really comfortable hitting aggressive, deep dinks against that person. And if I'm able to hit aggressive, deep dinks against somebody, it's way easier for me to control the kitchen line. And dinking, as I've said many times, is not just about pushing the dinks back and forth, waiting for somebody to make a mistake. Dinking is about trying to hit aggressive dinks linear dinks that push players back, you can control the kitchen line, you can get aggressive without speeding it up. So dinking, if you can get aggressive without speeding it up by hitting linear aggressive dinks, that is so important, because it sets up your actual aggression of speeding the ball up, taking the ball out of the air and attacking people. And how to stop that, how to stop people from hitting aggressive linear dinks to you is by leaning in and taking dinks out of the air. So if I'm taking dinks out of the air and you're trying to hit aggressive biting dinks at me, I'm cutting those dinks off before they can bounce and I'm taking your time away. So if I'm taking your time away, it makes it a lot tougher for you to take control of the kitchen line and try to force me to maybe hit a more aggressive dink that is a little too high. And then you can take that one out of the air and attack me. So I think that was the biggest difference for me when I went from 5 to pro. When I was playing 5 o's. I felt like I could dink super deeply. I could make my dinks bounce this far past the kitchen line, and I was safe. And when I was able to do that, I felt like I could control the kitchen line like Ben Johns against 5 O's. And if I played against 5 O's, that's what it would look like. I wouldn't even need to speed it up too often. I really feel like I could hit such aggressive linear dinks without getting punished for it that I'd be fine. Pros, on the other hand, are all leaning in. They're all ready to take the ball out of the air. And if you leave an aggressive dink a little bit too high, They're going to punish you for it. So that's a huge, huge factor in improving and getting better is how deeply can players make the ball bounce against you? And obviously, this is height dependent to a certain extent, but I would try to make it shorter and shorter and as short as possible as it relates to how deeply players can make the ball bounce against you. And this is especially important for men that are tall. If you are a tall guy and people are able to make the ball bounce, make dinks bounce past the kitchen line against you frequently, that's a problem. You need to be taking dinks out of the air. So I hope that all makes sense. And as it relates to leaning in also, if you see someone with an open face paddle, so if they're slicing their dink, I hope we all know what what I mean by open face. If it looks like they're gonna slice forehand dink or slice a backhand dink, you should be leaning in every single time because you know somebody's not gonna speed up a slice. If somebody hits a slice speed up at you and it works, that's not good. That's not a good sign and that shouldn't happen at all. So if somebody's reaching and if they're slicing their dink, that's when you know to lean in. If somebody has a lot of time, If the dink's a little high, it looks like they're going to hit some topspin. They might speed it up. That's when you don't lean in. So it's dependent on whether you are in control of the dink rally or if you're not in control of the dink rally. And then there's factors that will tell you whether or not you're in control. And I would hope most of us will be aware just by how you feel. You'll generally have a sense of are you in control of that dink rally or are you not in control of that dink rally? But if their face is open and they're slicing and they're reaching and they're on the move, you're probably in control of the dink rally. And if they're a foot off of the kitchen line and they're backing up and you can tell they're not going to speed that one up unless it's a really dumb speed up, you're in control of that dink rally. And if you're a foot behind the line and if you're the one that's moving, you're giving them dead dinks and they're really moving you around, then you're not in control of the, of the dink rally. So these are the factors that determine where you should be standing. If you're not in control, then you should be maybe standing a foot off and trying to reset dinks into the middle to give yourself time to get things back to even. And if you're in control of the dink rally, you need to be right up on that kitchen line, hugging it, leaning in, waiting for anything that's just a little high so that you can attack it out of the air. And obviously this is dependent on you being comfortable attacking out of the air on both sides, which is I think the most important thing in terms of attacking for anyone, I think you should try to develop out of the air attacks first off the bounce attacks are pretty intuitive, especially if you came from tennis, but out of the air attacks are, in my opinion, and the stats would probably show it. I don't know if there's stats on this, maybe that's a next year thing. But out of the air attacks are better. I'm just gonna say it. That might be the uh, the uh, intro out of the air attacks are better. And I attack off the bounce all the time. So I'm not saying you shouldn't attack off the bounce, but I think your first option should be out of the air attack. When to slice dinks versus when to hit topspin dinks. So this kind of relates to the last question. Um, And I do both. People always talk about my topspin backhand roll dink, but I also slice dinks all the time. And I think it comes down to, as long as you're comfortable with both, which I think you should be, I think a big part of anyone developing as a player is that they're comfortable hitting slice dinks and topspin dinks because both are very important. Is that when you're on offense and you have a lot of time and you can load up and get under the ball, you should always be hitting a topspin dink if you're comfortable with it because those dinks will bounce and then go into the person. They're going to almost run away from you after they bounce. That's the nature of topspin. Slice does the exact opposite. So it'll bounce and then it'll sort of die. So that's the first thing. I think when you're on offense, you want to be using topspin. And all of the best dinkers are dinking primarily with topspin. You watch the pros. Ben Johns, when he's in a neutral situation, he'll be dinking with slice. But when he's on offense, he's trying to create with the forehand and add topspin because the best dink is a topspin dink. And that is just my opinion. But I'm pretty pretty sure of that opinion is that the best dink you can possibly hit is one With topspin, but when you're on defense and you have to reach and you're on the run, that's when you would impart some slice on the ball. It's just easier to control and you're already getting under the ball no matter what with a slice. So what that means is with topspin, you've got to force your way under the ball because if the ball's here to get topspin, you've got to go like this. That's what topspin is. But with a slice, it's impossible to not come under the ball. A slice by nature is the act of coming under the ball. So That's why a slice drop is, for most people, easier than a topspin drop. And a slice dink, for most people, should be easier or at least maybe more intuitive, more natural just to kind of push in a slice dink than it is a topspin dink. I mean, if my life was on the line and I had to make one type of dink, and I love my topspin backhand roll, I would just slice a forehand dink in because I know I can just push it in and make it. That's probably the easiest shot in pickleball would be a slice dink. So there is a place for slice dinks. When you're on defense and you need to just reset it, I would hit slice dinks. And I think that slice dinks are better served in the middle than on the outside of the court, because I think the middle is probably an easier place to defend from. If the ball's in the middle, you can on the right, totally sit backhand, anything going over your right shoulder's out. And on the left, you're not really covering too much because anything going over your left shoulder is also out. From the middle, it's just easier to cover from the line, from all the way out wide, it is easier to speed the ball up. I know that it definitely feels easier for me to speed the ball up because I can go all the way down the line. I can go across their body. And once in a blue moon, I could attack cross court, which is something we only wanna do uh, on special occasions. But yeah, I think resetting slice dinks in the middle is a good play. And I wouldn't stop you from doing it, but to recap, Top spin dinks are the best dinks. So for those of us who are still working on things and trying to develop things, make sure you have both, but definitely prioritize developing that top spin dink because that's where I think the game is going. I think as the game gets better and better, you know, you, you see in 2020, nobody was really hitting top spin drops or in 2019. Guide and steer the drop. That's what they did in 2019, and people weren't really hitting a lot of topspin dinks. I mean, Ben Johns was like the best of the best were, but it wasn't as common. People just sliced the ball in. You see the game progress. The paddles get grittier. Topspin becomes way, way, way more prevalent. And I think that trend is going to continue. There's no reason, there's nothing that I can see that tells me that sliced dinks are going to overtake topspin dinks and that the trend is going to reverse. I think the trend is going to continue. And I think topspin drops and dinks are going to become more and more popular and will become the norm. But that's just my opinion. I, I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen with this pickleball game. Um, last question. So I like to attack cross court is the question. The question is, I like to attack cross court. I've been told oftentimes not to attack cross court because it's not the best play. So I have a good answer for that one because I attack cross court sometimes. I love to attack in general. And I think that Attacking cross-court, there is a place for it. I think you're better served to attack cross-court out of the air than off the bounce because the issue with attacking cross-court, as people say, is that people have more time to react because of the geometry of the court, which is true. If you are attacking somebody right in front of you, kitchen's 14 feet long, you're 14 feet away from that person. If you're attacking cross-court, I don't know the geometry, but it's farther. Right? And that makes sense. Speeding up the ball, a big part of it is, trying to speed it up, the speed of it, right? And if you're closer to a person, same reason why out-of-the-air attacks are probably better, you're going to have more success speeding up down the line than a cross-court. So I understand that. But I think that cross-court attacks are there are, there is a place for them, but I think they should be hit very hard. So my take on cross-court attacks is that most of them shouldn't be going in. For me, when I attack cross-court, I'm trying to hit the person most of the time. And I'm not going for the head. I'm a good guy. I'm not trying to hurt anybody, but cross court attacks are very tough to get out of the way of. And I'm not trying to encourage you guys to start hitting each other and killing each other on the court. But next time you play rec, go for it. Go for a cross court attack and hit it as hard as you can and see what happens. It's very tough to get out of the way of. It's way more intuitive to get out of the way of a shot that's coming straight on. You just dodge it like this, it's just more natural for almost anybody. But if a shot's coming cross-court at you into your body, it becomes a lot tougher to leave. I would know from personal experience. I don't even leave them anymore. I just try to hit them. It's just so tough to get out of the way of. So you see it in the women's game more often. The cross-court full bag speed up just trying to hit the person is how it's described. And I think that there's a place for it. I wouldn't do it too often, because if players do catch on to it, they would know that you should probably be just fading toward the middle, because trying to fade, if let's say you're on the left, if you fade to the outside, it's tougher to leave, because it is coming from the other side, and it's coming to the outside, so if you go this way, it'll eventually hit you the best way, and I guess this brings me to another point, if somebody is attacking you cross-court very hard, and it looks like it's going to go out, I would get to the middle. If you can get to the middle, it's a lot easier to get out of the way. I think a lot of people naturally will try to avoid the ball by moving to, let's say if you're on the left to their left, or if they're on the right to their right. And when you're on the right, you're taught to slide backhand, which is sliding to the right. So it makes sense. And that's part of the reason why these shots work. So Dylan Frazier does this very well. Uh, He'll take a forehand out of the air. Instead of going right in front of him, he'll go cross court to the right side player. And just try to hit them. And the right side player who's taught to fade backhand, the ball's going to go right to them. And it's probably going to hit them. Uh, happened to me yesterday in rec, actually. Uh, I don't even want to play the red anymore after going against Dylan Frazier. So that's the deal. If you're speeding up cross court, you should probably just try to hit them. And again, I am just saying that, you know, it's a fair play. I'm not telling anybody to be killing other people. I think we should be wearing eye protection anyway. And it's a fair game because this is a sport. So if you're gonna attack somebody cross court and you feel like you can hit them with the ball and thus win the point, especially in tournaments, I think it should be done. So I think that if you're speeding it up cross, go for the full bag, hit the person. And if somebody's speeding it up cross court at you, fade middle really quickly because that's how you get out of the way of that ball, not the other way around. So that's all I have for you guys. keep bringing the questions in the DMs. I will try to answer my favorite ones. And as always, um, check out my virtual coaching. Um, what's my website name again? james uh And that's all we got. So thanks guys.